everyone, and welcome to the Ring, a new episode of the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today is Monday, February 4. There is no more football for way too much time. And yeah, I don't know. Just take, take that in. Take one minute and just take that in. There is no football until the CFL starts. <laughs> until August, where the first week of college football is. August or September. Anyways, it's just way too far from now. We gotta pretend to like baseball again soon. Holy, holy, holy. But we still do have hockey. We still have basketball. We still have a plenty of sports. We have the Masters to look forward to. The month of March is always a hot one. So we we got a lot of other things to distract us. So don't panic too too much. But uh, so we're gonna recap the two games from the Leafs. Uh, Friday and Saturday against the Red Wings and the Penguins. Very up and down weekend for them, indeed. Um, I'm going to give you some ideas what you can do now on Sundays that you aren't watching football. Uh, Some things that you can do, some fun things, you know. Um, And going to look forward to the Monday game against the Anaheim the Ducks of Anaheim. I wish they were still called the, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Uh, that was always pretty cool. That name and that logo. I mean, yeah. So we're going to look forward to the Ducks game, the Sens game, and then they play the Canadians, but just going to go Ducks and Sens. So, moving forward. Let's get into the, let's dive into the Detroit game. So, to start off the game, there was no shots. There was no pressure. There was no forecheck. This was just sloppy. I have written here in my notes, sad face, first shift, sad face, second shift. And it was pretty much just how it described the whole period. I mean, the first shot on goal came with 6.20 left in the first period. 6.20, what's that? 13.40? 13 minutes and 40 seconds to get one shot on goal? And we took, we took up, the Marner took a penalty on, uh, Locking. Yeah, Marner took two penalties in that game. That's always kind of weird to see. He's such a good and honest little boy. But just abysmal. And then they got a shot. A shot. Awesome. Matthews drew a penalty. Um, and even Tavares got one decent chance in that. But so they draw a penalty. They get a power play. And their power play's just it's horrible. It was horrible against it was horrible all weekend. I don't understand what has happened to the power play. There's been no adjustments. There's been no pressure. There's been no like, hardly any chances. I believe at the end it was they've gone like what one for fourteen, one for the past fourteen. Like let's move things around. Maybe move Kadri out of there. Uh, try William Nylander in there. Maybe don't put three centers in there. Uh, try two defense. Just try something different. I mean, holy. I mean, the thing with Mike Babcock, he is, I, I think he is a decent coach. He's a pretty good coach. There's a reason the, the Leafs pay him $50 million. But his stubbornness, and at times it just seems like nobody loves Mike Babcock more than Mike Babcock. It really can infuriate a fan base. It can infuriate teams. I mean, like, this is just ridiculous that the power play is this bad anyways so power play was horrible um one thing i wanted to note from this game 
I thought the best line on the Leafs clearly was, by far, the Matthews-Marner-Marlowe line. But I do strongly agree with them splitting that up. And here's why. The chemistry that was shown in that game and the production and like it seemed like it was mainly between Matthews and Marlowe. There was a good there was a good click there, it seemed. And so I think that moving Marner away from that line could really it really did benefit actually the Tavares line into Pittsburgh game, which we'll get into later. But I, I think that it would have it was more beneficial to the rest of the team to have Marner on a different line. It was it was almost like it was too much, so to speak. There wasn't enough connection between Marner Matthews to justify having Marner on that line. So it was good that they split it up, but they were they played very well in this game, and it showed. I mean, Matthews with a goal and assist, Marlowe with a goal and assist. Um, Marlowe's been he, he had an awesome weekend. I, I think that. He's really going to start to pick it up in his production, especially if he does stay with Matthews. And the thing that I think that Marlowe and Matthews click, why they click is because Marlowe does, he he was able to create turnovers very well. So was Matthews as well. They were creating turnovers like mad and Marlowe does a good job freeing the puck up in the corner. And it's what it seems is feeding Matthews as well. I mean, but we'll get more into that at the end so second period started off part of Lindholm who's just been the opposite of good this year pretty much I mean he's just not that talented I don't know so he took an unnecessary penalty awesome um finally we got some goals in the second period that goal on uh, by Gus Nyquist um scramble in front it was, it was just kind of a broken play there was nobody taking Nyquist on that one which was kind of disturbing I mean he was he was wide open there was like five Leafs on the other side of the night on, on the other side of of Anderson there. there was no way in shape or form Anderson's fault which Anderson actually in this game I thought was solid I mean a couple of saves that he made he he played the puck horribly he turned it over a couple times, and once at the end of the game, it was like, "Jeez, buddy, relax." But he, just the turnovers were horrible. But he was, he was top notch. He was awesome in this game, and I don't think either goal was really at all. Three of those goals were really his fault at all, and we would have got slaughtered without him. I mean, just looking at the shots alone, thirty-three for the Red Wings, twenty-one for the the uh, the Leafs. I mean, they just didn't draw. They didn't have enough chances. They weren't. They, they just look flat. And the thing was, and I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, it's a good thing that they started out out of the uh, out of the bye week with a game against Detroit because, it, as I've said, Detroit's a team where the Leafs, if they're not playing up to their full potential, they still came away with a point, and they looked horrible at times in this game. Horrible, as I said. 6.20 left in the game, in the in the period. And they got their first shot on goal of the game. Just absolutely horrible. So, but we did get out of this second period. Um, we got some, some good. The awesome Matthews goal, which was just filthy. Uh, Matthews forced a turnover. Marlowe got it behind the net. Uh, it seemed like both... Detroit defenders, I think it was DeKazer, I can't remember who the other one were, were just kind of staring at him. That was horrible pressure by them. 
and feeds Matthews in front. And oh my God, there the shot, the shot came through again. Holy hell, the way he just sniped that short side, high short side on Jimmy Howard like that. Like, gee, all-star Jimmy Howard. All-star Jimmy Howard. So to show how, how great of a goal that was and how just sickening Matthews' shot is. Just absolutely disgusting. However, we did some ugly that we did get from this game, uh, this period was uh, for some reason Riley was back with uh, Hainsey. Really didn't like to see that. I think they switched it, they flipped it back. But yeah, playing the off wing is going to be a tough one for Riley. And I really hope that it doesn't diminish his value because he's an awesome defenseman. He's awesome on the left side. Hopefully, we can get an awesome Riley somehow on the right side. I mean, it's just kind of difficult because you see it. When you go D to D and you're taking from your backhand, you have to take that extra split second going backhand to forehand and then moving it up the ice. So it'll be tough, but Riley's a very good defenseman. So hopefully he's able to to adjust that to that right side because I'm not sure how great Muzzin's going to be. I haven't seen Muzzin on the right side though. So we'll see. Anyways, moving on into the third it was 1-1 going into the third. Uh, not getting much from the Leafs. Uh, mainly, the production was coming from that top line. I really liked how they played in that period. There wasn't just not enough from the Tavares line. But then again, what, what I've noticed is you can't be putting Hyman, Kapanen together. You can't be putting Janssen, Kapanen together and expect a ton of offense out of them. I mean... It's just kind of hard. I mean, all those guys are very good players, but just together, they they didn't seem to mesh very well. Uh, so in the third, just we got another taste of the power play, and it, I mean, it was it tasted it tasted like roadkill. They stunk. They had no juice on the power play. Um, yeah, and then. Anderson had another giveaway in this period as well. Um, Marner got another penalty. He got a chance out of the box. But we really didn't... We really weren't showing very well there. Um, The Red Wings goal that they scored just shows how sick Thomas Vanek is. Like his hands and just his one-touch ability how sick it is i mean the guy can't skate and he doesn't skate very much but like just the the one touches that he makes and the little moves that he makes to throw off the defense are disgusting i mean so the red wings goal went athanasio to vanek vanek dragged it behind the net and then like threw it back the other way to throw the momentum of anderson off and larkin had a pretty open cage if you do say i mean anderson it looked like he almost stopped it but i mean he made no mistake and that was that was almost off a nothing play that Vanek was able to create that now I'm not saying like oh this is a guy you gotta go out and get but this is this was a guy that was who's still got some fantastic offensive abilities I just don't think it's enough to justify the fact that he just doesn't skate out there and can't play defense so um however the play of the period other than the tying goal because that you need goals to win games but the play of the period the unnoticed play of the period and I didn't see enough of this uh, like enough praise with this was Travis Dermott on a two-on-one absolutely hauled ass with five minutes left to break up that play like I'm it, just such a hustle job I mean hopefully we get to see him a little bit play a little bit uh, 
bigger minutes moving forward because he is blossoming and he has been playing really well, especially in that Pittsburgh game. He was awesome there. Nice two-point night, two primary points. Buddy, he's going to be due for some money in a couple of years, but he didn't play very much against... uh, he actually didn't play very much this weekend at all. I mean, that's going to happen. He's a third-pairing defenseman. But I, I like the way he played this weekend. I thought he was he was pretty good. And in the limited opportunities that he got, clearly, he he showed very well for the, for the Leafs. So, anyways, third period, in summary, just showed a lot of um, bad power play nonsense. A couple Frederick Anderson giveaways. A nice effort play by Dermott and a couple goals so moving on into this overtime um oh and then the last minute of the play of the third period I have this on my backside the notes that um Anderson made a fantastic save on a one-timer to send it into overtime clearly he was the three best Leafs in this game 1000% were Matthews Marlowe Anderson I mean Anderson, I'm gonna, I'd put Anderson number one. He, he The 30 saves he made were of very high-quality saves. So in the overtime, uh, they traded chances early on. But just after, it seemed like after that, actually, the, uh, the Larkin got injured. He, like, pulled a muscle, it seemed. After that play there, it was just all Detroit. And they just rode their momentum. And of all people to score the flipping winning goal, Danny DeKaiser dust Danny dust Kaiser that was his third goal of the year he's got 12 points and a way too high of a cap hit but he was just all alone nobody picked him up and wide open back door so closing nights closing notes awful game lots of disconnect thank god we have Frederick Anderson um like thank god the Leafs were just a more talented team than the Red Wings if not, uh, this game would have gone to shits. Um, Muzzin played pretty well in his debut. I thought he had a couple nice plays here and there. Nothing too, too great, but uh, he played pretty well. And then just a couple things to point out, individual performances. Um, Nikita Zaitsev, I don't know how this is possible, but in 5-on-5, five five, his possession percentage was 13.3 relative minus 45.2 I've never seen anything that bad in my life just an all-time horrible performance from him Uh, and then also Martin Frick uh, this guy's ice time his ice time stats that game to game are just an absolute joke listen so from December 22nd, 613 against the Panthers. Okay. 355 against the Panthers, December 31st. Okay, not bad. Um, February 1st, 346 against the Leafs. In back-to-back games, he got less than four minutes on, of time on ice. And then he had an assist against Ottawa, 829. So he has not gotten over 10 minutes in a game since December 20th. We got 11 minutes against Carolina. Damn. He looked pretty good last year, too. 25 points, 11 goals, and only 10-17 average ice time. But, man, I don't know. Like, did he did he 
get caught banging Blashell's wife? Like, why do we even need a guy in the lineup to play 346? Damn. Just double shit some or something. Anyways, terrible game. Lucky to come out with a point there. Um, just needed a lot more from pretty much everyone. But moving on to this Pittsburgh game. Uh, and Sparks got the, the start here. Thank God there was no Malkin. So Sparks versus Murray, no Malkin, which was just... Whew, 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 whew. Thank God. But started off a little ugly. Uh, Pens got off to a 2-0 start. Even though the Leafs were down 2-0, I thought they were playing... They would, in this game, playing much better than what we saw from the Red Wings game. Because the Red Wings game was just absolutely abysmal. They had a couple good chances. Muzzin through the body. That was... I mean, that's part of the reason why we acquired him. He's a, he's a big, grizzly lumberjack. But... Yeah, I mean, Crosby on the power play, just an absolute snipe. Crosby had a fantastic game, too. Um, but they were able to get it back, which... Uh, and they ended the period only down 2-1. Austin Matthews with another lovely goal. Travis Dermott with a shot on net. Murray couldn't handle it. Uh, Matthews tucks it, in, tucks it home. But, yeah, they were down 2-1 in this period, at the end of this period, and I thought it was 10 times better than that first period, or actually pretty much any period that they played against the Red Wings. So a really fortunate schedule that the Leafs got here, playing a garbage Red Wings team to start, and then playing a Pittsburgh team with no Malkin, and Pittsburgh was, that was their fourth game in six days. It's like the hockey gods were just blessing them this weekend, needless to say. Uh, so going through the goals, I mean, Crosby just being Crosby, a one-time clap bomb, top shelf, uh, on the short side, just perfect placement, Mint, uh, vintage Crosby on that one, nothing Sparks could do there, uh, I thought Sparks played very well in this game, actually, he was, the Leafs did a very good job of cutting off uh, the passes for the Penguins, so that Sparks was able to really challenge the shooter, and even though the couple shooters were getting some good looks on him he was able to shut them down because he is a pretty big goaltender and he when he's at the top of the crease like that you're not going to see much net so solid game from sparks i thought he really needed that one too the the narrative around the backup goalie situation when hutchinson came up and sparks was out was that we don't need sparks anymore wave him and he's come back since then with two pretty nice starts against florida and now pittsburgh as well so kudos to sparks proven all the haters and by haters I mean me wrong um moving into the second period uh started off fairly well I mean Austin Austin to Marlowe behind the net Marlowe in front of Kapanen Kapanen was buzzing this game unfortunately just couldn't find the back of the net I don't know stone hands no vision I don't know what to like he just gets way too many chances to have a point total that he does right now which is like 0.5 per game but anyways uh Travis Dermott actually scored a pretty nice goal there uh Gardner with two assists in this game too nice a nice little showing from him there uh but the goal of the period I mean just the goal of the game actually Zach Hyman kicking it from his stick to from his skate to his stick while he's falling and going shelf like that in, in front I mean I mean classic Zach Hyman to be falling and score I mean that seems like that guy Zamboni's the ice more than the actual machines do but uh, yeah I thought this was an awesome period unfortunately the power play stunk again but 
uh, this was an awesome period. A couple goals going in, retaking the lead. They just showed a lot more jump in their game. Um, as for the Nylander line, the Nylander, Kadri, Brown line, uh, I thought that they could have, sh- like, Kadri played awesome. He drew a couple penalties in this game, but I thought they could have showed more on the score sheet, but Nylander just fully missed the puck twice. Like, this isn't. <laughs> I thought he was the only one that was to stay behind and trained this uh, this break. But he missed the puck twice. It was kind of embarrassing, but all in all. And then in the third period, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh really didn't start to take over until the end, which obviously the Leafs are trying to play defense. But an all-around fantastic game by the Leafs here. Uh, they were, as I said, they were fortunate that Malcolm wasn't playing. Pittsburgh's coming on their fourth game in six days, but fairly nice game by them. I thought the they they were outchancing Pittsburgh in this one. They weren't. They they were showing some nice chemistry between the lines. Um, moving Marner back onto John Tavares's line with Zach, Zach Hyman, I think, and then having that Kapanen, Matthews, Marlowe line, and then the Kadri line. As it is, I, I I think that the forward lines are should be solidified for the next foresee for the foreseeable future because they were they displayed some chemistry in this game. They they all got some good chances. Just my takeaway: hopefully, the power play just needs to be changed. Something needs to change. You can't keep doing exactly what they're doing. We haven't scored since the God knows when. But solid game by them. Some fortunate scheduling. Very, very up and down by the Leafs this weekend. But, you know what was nice? See Austin Matthews just tuck a couple home. Three points on the weekend for the kid. Not too bad. Take that to the bank. Um, There were a couple trades in the NHL since the last episode. Obviously, the big one being the Bugstad trade. Uh, The Panthers sending... I'll pull up the exact trade off by head. It's the Panthers sent uh, Nick Bugstad and Jared McCann to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Derek Broussard, uh, Riley Sheehan, two in, uh, what did he score? Two goals in 2016. Yeah, Mr. Two in 17. Uh, so Derek Broussard, Riley Sheehan, a second round pick in 2019, and two fourths in 2019. So I-, I thought it was a little bit much for a guy that really wasn't performing all that well this season. I mean, we've seen Bukestad put up 40 points in the past, so maybe you could evaluate him as a 40-point player. Jared McCann has not really lived up to expectations, in my opinion. I mean, he fell down the draft board in 2014 when he was drafted. Uh, If anyone remembers that year, he just, the second half of the season, did nothing. And he went from being a top-10 pick to 24th. But he, he hasn't been as quite as good as I thought. The Penguins said they really like Bugstad at center and they really like McCann in a bottom six role as well. Um, yeah, Bugstad played pretty good against the Leafs, I want to say. He had a couple good shots on goal, a couple good chances. But, I mean, Broussard is a good player that Florida's going to be able to flip. And then so a second, a fourth, and a fourth. So what Pittsburgh did here... They upgraded their bottom. They upgraded their bottom six forwards. They upgraded center, 
um, actually Jared McCann and Bukestad are both centers, so they and but both can play the wing as well. So they upgraded the bottom six, and both players are under contract for I think Bukestad until 2021, and McCann will be an RFA at the end of 2020. So they have more certainty in their bottom six moving forward. They have some players locked up. So an improvement in the bottom six and some certainty moving forward. However, they gave up a guy that, I mean, Broussard just didn't work out in Pittsburgh. Plain and simple, he did not work out there. He wasn't suited for defensive, um, getting more starts in the defensive zone. He wasn't suited to the reduced minutes. I mean, he's he's second-line center. But Florida's, I think, give him a couple games in Florida. He's going to show everyone exactly what he can do and what he's done in the past. And they're going to be able to flip him for a pretty nice profit so I think it was a little expensive for an upgrade to the bottom six to trade a guy he's not an expiring contract but to trade a guy that has shown that he can score uh, and can put up points and plus the three draft picks there I mean it's a little high I see what Pittsburgh did and I understand it. it makes sense but I think they gave up a little little too much to do so and I'm going to be very curious to see what Derek Broussard uh, goes for after if he's flipped by Pittsburgh I don't want to say when but if he is flipped by Pittsburgh because I'm not I'm not 200% sure on that one but anyways in that trade actually Bukestad and McCann showing up what like five minutes before their game with Pittsburgh I thought that was pretty damn hilarious Anywho, moving forward, um, it wasn't too too much. There was a couple. There was actually a line brawl. Um, there was a line brawl in the CIS uh, last night. I want to say uh, I can't exactly find who has the video. I can't remember who. No, I don't even have it. But uh, oh, I have it right here. I'll be able to direct people victor finley on twitter uh tweeted the two a uh, couple videos from it it was saint fx versus acadia it was a full out line brawl if you haven't seen that video like give it a watch it was actually fairly entertaining and fairly violent and it'll be interesting to see what happens there moving forward but awesome hockey play awesome hockey play of the weekend so um before i give my analysis on the least schedule moving forward. I'm going to give a couple tips on what to do now on Sundays and even Saturdays, college ball not being here uh, with no football. So I did some research uh, and I looked up like, what do normal people do on Sundays? And I'm going to get some results. What do common the common folk do on the weekend? And this girl, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Smith from Forbes, is going to give us, give, gave me some answers. He said, make time for family and friends. Oh, okay. So your family, say hi to them. Remind them that you're alive uh, and that you're not... And that, like, your gambling problem has not just separated you from them totally. So it's always good to make an appearance. Uh, Exercise. And I don't mean from couch. I guess 
shows a guy on a treadmill, so that doesn't mean the couch to the fridge, the couch to the washroom. It looks like he's at a gym. That looks a little hard. He's wearing a towel. What a nerd. Pursue a passion. Nope. Go on a vacation. Nope. Volunteer. This is a good one. Um, Volunteer football camps. Damn it. Didn't work. Avoid chores. Okay. Thanks, Jacqueline. Weirdo. Plan. That's very vague. I don't even want to read that. Socialize. Again, going back to make make sure your family knows you're alive. And that you're not, you know, your bookie hasn't killed you. Um, gardening, crafts, games, sports, cooking, cultural activities. Wow, those all sound like a lot of fun. I'm going to throw one in there. Read a book. I mean, I tried to do that one. It didn't really work. Oh, here's the next one. She's reading a book. So... I don't even want to get through the rest of them. But uh, here's another good one. Six things you should do every Sunday. Spend time alone. You can cry about all the money you lost this football season. You can cry about all the money you're going to lose betting on the NHL. Pursue a passion. They keep saying this. No, go away. Get some exercise. Um, So pretty much all these articles are just trying to say is like remind people you're not dead. Um, Learn how to talk about things that aren't football that's a little tough that's a little bit of a stretch start small like talk about chores or something and then plan your upcoming week don't do that it's for nerds but yeah it was a decent football season super bowl sucked horrible score a couple good commercials here and there that nfl 100 commercial i really liked very entertaining i don't even know if it made sense but to my dumb guy brain just seeing all these all these familiar faces and all this action. It was just like, whoa. Give those boys the Oscar or Emmy. I don't know. Anyways, moving forward, we're going to get into, we're going to take a look at Leafs versus Ducks. And that's going to come on Monday. So the Ducks are just like, they, they're in like a stage nine tire fire right now. Not even tire, no dumpster fire sorry it's an insult to tire fires but i don't know what happened well i kind of do the ducks are old and randy carlisle is not that good of a coach but they are just like they lost 9-2 on saturday to the jets nine the jets had six goals by the end of the first period they had more goals at one point than the ducks had shots like this is just, I mean, this is a team that's going to come in to Toronto. They're, it's either going to be one of two things. They're going to be coming in feisty. They're going to be coming in hard. Um, they're going to, like, it's going to be a challenging battle. They're going to be trying to turn things around. Or we're just going to see another 9-2 game. They're, they haven't been very good away from home, 11-14-1. Their streak in the past 10 has been horrible, 2-6-2. And, and, I mean, that 9-2 game is all you just need to hear. This could be this could be pretty ugly, or they're gonna they're gonna come in and be feisty. They've had a lot a big problem scoring goals this year. Clearly, uh, only 123 in 52 games this in 52 games this year, which that might be the worst. No, just above LA for second worst in the division. 
So this is this is I mean this is a I'm not gonna say easy. There are never any easy games. This is a very plausible two points that can be up on the board here. The Leafs are obviously a lot faster than the Ducks. The Ducks aren't the the fastest team. Uh, you're gonna get a tough game from John Gibson 100%. But I mean, this is a game that they should blow wide open. And if there's any game that the power play is gonna get going back again on. It's this one. It's this one right here. I mean, this is just such a good opportunity to run the table, get your confidence up. And then, holy, the schedule gods are just on the Leafs' side after this one. Because on Wednesday, they play, they go to the nation's capital and they play the stinky Senators. Man, that team, what happened? As I said, just start over with that one. But the Sens, are they at home? I actually forgot to check that uh, because that's kind of important. The Sens are above 500 at home. They are 7, 12, and 4 on the road. Did I read that right? 7, 17, and 1 on the road. Sorry. 4 and 6 in the last 10 games. Um, They're in tank mode, which, you know, most teams... When they do tank mode normally and like in a smart way, they have their first round pick. In this case, they don't. So I don't know what the hell they're doing there, but this is just going to be ugly for them for the next little while. So anyways, in Toronto, this is another very plausible two points. Uh, But the Sens do have a couple guys on their team that can and will really burn you. And that being Mark Stone... Matt Duchesne, Thomas Shabbat. They haven't gotten great goaltending this year, but I mean, Craig Anderson's savvy veteran. He he probably can steal a game here and there. He hasn't gotten any support at all this year from pretty much like everyone on the team from the owner, the GM, the coach. I mean, it's just been brutal for him, but I'm going to label this one trap game. This is the trap game. This is a team that sucks. This is a rivalry game. Should should be an easy win, but you never know. I mean, Mark Stone has a night. Duchesne has a night. Zingle has a night. Shabbat has a night. Tyranny has a night. Bobby Ryan? Nah, we're not going to go that far. But anyways, the first five guys that are listed have a very good night. They run into a hot goaltender. They get into some penalty trouble, and you find yourself behind the eight ball. So... I almost want to label this Ottawa, the Senators game more difficult than the Ducks one. But anyways, not a very tough schedule for this next coming week for the Leafs. So hopefully they take advantage of it. Hopefully we see some changes to the power play. Hopefully we see some results from the power play. And the Leafs are going to be right back on track. No more of this. They might miss the playoffs because those were words that were actually thrown around. Not just on the Twitterverse from people's mouths. I know. I was shocked too. So, anyways, I hope your Super Bowl was good, but it probably wasn't because the game sucked. But, anyways, I will be. We will be back on Friday. Hope everyone has a sufficient and yeah, painless Monday. Take care.